it's a little bit like on the Great British Bake Off and Paul only gives them sort of half of the recipe and they have to work the rest of it out. I'll tell you what, if I was doing the sort of things that they have to do on those missions, I would almost certainly have a soggy bottom. So would you say the way Boy Swallows the Universe ends left a bad taste in your mouth? (laughs) If I could be with anyone in the world, it would be with you, Adam. Let's talk about Apple TV because the orchard, it'd be full. It'd be full of star-shaped apples. They would be, actually, they probably would be easier to pack. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, The Watchlist. My name's Adam Henning and our featured show this week is the prime video show, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And the Jane to my John, my undercover lover, is also with me, it's Damien Cooper. How you doing, Damo? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. So it's been a little while since we've done a watch list together. So there's a whole load of shows for us to talk about, which we will do, spoiler free. But let's start off with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I am, I think, three episodes into this so far and enjoying. How about you? So I am two episodes in and not enjoying adam and i just a peek behind the curtains had a conversation i was my usual debbie downer about it and then adam said oh no no no! something happens in episode two so to give it a try so i did watch the second episode but i still didn't really enjoy it i think maluka will carry on watching it but i think it probably will end episode two for me fair enough (laughs) thank you for giving it another go i feel like it got better definitely got better in the second episode and i and i quite hooked by it but the basic premise is that donald glover's john and my erskine's jane obviously not their real names they're going undercover as a married couple in order to carry out missions for high high who is their contact in this shadowy organization we don't know sort of who or what they are so they're thrown together as strangers given this amazing house to live in and they're given false documents and a marriage certificate And the show is basically exploring their relationship whilst each episode covers a different mission that they're given to complete. Yeah, and I guess the the stuff that we know or don't know, I guess, is probably best to put it that they don't know very much about who Hi Hi is and what it's about. We just know that both of them have some kind of military or intelligence background that's how they've managed to kind of be shortlisted for this program but we don't know much more than that and obviously as you can imagine things are slowly being leaked to us both as the viewers and to them i think actually at the same time we're not really getting anything ahead of john or jane are we no not at all yeah i mean they're both there for the money right and they're both signed up for what they I think they call it high risk missions so they're given really really sort of spotty short details of what their mission is it's a little bit like on the great british bake off when they have to do the technical challenge and paul or prue only gives them sort of half of the recipe and they have to work the rest of it out i tell you what, if I was doing the sort of things that they have to do on those missions, I would almost certainly have a soggy bottom. <laughs> well, definitely in episode three, funnily enough, because it's mostly set on the ski slopes. <laughs> so I guess, Adam, since you've watched more of it than me, does it feel like it kind of also sets itself up for almost like that classic TV thing of 
Each week, new episode, new bad to kill, new location, new costume, new all that sort of stuff. Yes, I think that's probably where we're headed. Like the third episode is there, it's called First Holiday. So I think the first episode is, I can't remember whether it's First Date. Second episode is called Second Date. Third episode is called First Holiday. So it is kind of using the relationship metaphor in the episode titles. And I'm pretty sure that's how we're going to go with this. New, Certainly new guest star, Sharon Horgan's in the third episode. I think Paul Dano is going to be a recurring character as their neighbour. But he was brilliant in the, the one scene I've seen him in so far. You will like this show if you buy into their relationship and if you enjoy them as a couple. I think they're both really watchable. And yeah, I'm enjoying that the kind of development of that and how they're starting to have feelings for each other. There's some really relatable stuff within all of that crazy spy stuff. There's some relatable relationship stuff in there, I think. Yes, it's interesting because I like them both separately as actors. I just wasn't really sure about the dialogue. I think that's kind of where I was a bit like, oh, do I buy this conversation? Do I buy the energies that each of these characters have and working together? I think that was my main issue with it. But there is definitely loads of stuff there that's interesting. So like you said, Paul Dano, I think I have some theories about who he actually is. I don't think he is who he says he is. I think he might be set by high high to keep an eye on them in real time. But there's also a phenomenal opening scene with Aza Gonzalez and one of the Skarsgård. Which one is it? Succession Skarsgård. It's Alexander Skarsgård, isn't it? Yes, um, and I've just seen looking down the IMDb that there are lots of other John One, John Two, other John, other Jane. So I think you know we've got these multiple sets of agents working everywhere. So I think that's going on. We there's something at the end of episode two which tends to suggest that there is a far higher existential crisis to these couples. Very much performance based pay yeah well there's the, the element of jeopardy comes in at the end of the second episode i think and so you know they are skilled but a li- also a little bit hapless at times in, in what they do and i think that brings out some of the comedy of the show but what they what they're having to do is really difficult i think certainly by the third episode you're definitely wondering whether or not they're going to succeed in their mission it's not a case that i think that they will always succeed every time yeah and I, I don't know how it is with the third episode i can't quite fully remember for the second but i know for the first episode when I guess they're on their trial operation I just felt well if High High is setting them up to do something that's quite significant quite serious in this level of kind of espionage whether it be for the government or for a a private company slash individual they're still not quite giving enough information to get the job done forewarned is forearmed I think I would be a little bit like what How am I supposed to know that you want me to kill this person if you're going to give me these kind of weird breadcrumb series of clues? It would be much easier to send me an image, a name, maybe a social security to to then go after this person. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's where you've got to bring the suspension of disbelief in. I think the spy stuff is all done really well. Like, you know, we mentioned Citadel last year and, and how just appalling that was. But I think in this show, it's that little bit more plausible for in the most part, I think. But yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I will I will finish the series. I'm going to continue watching. I think there is an outside chance that I might come back to it. If you 
get to the end of the series, Adam, and, and are waxing lyrical about it, then I think there is a chance I will go back, particularly if it's quiet uh, on the TV front. But at the moment, it looks like episode two is where I stop. Okay, fair enough. I know there's some big old guest stars still to come in that show, uh, which is also quite exciting. But yeah, let's talk about um, some other shows then. So what else have you been watching? So it's quite a long list for me for once. I'd say it almost rivals your list, your regular lists, Adam, maybe on a quiet week. So the thing that I watched this morning, and I couldn't watch all two hours plus of it because it was not an easy watch, was the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin that you have to watch on Tucker Carlson's website which i didn't really want to send traffic towards but i was curious i got 45 minutes in and it was a a rambling uh hagiography of russian history and its relation to ukraine its history of the the kind of scandinavian rus and the amalgamation with the slavs it was all really kind of half true but mostly bollocks stuff my knowledge of the history in that period is not great but i have a solid-ish knowledge and it all seemed very dodgy he says something like well if we're going to have a proper conversation i need to just quickly give you one minute maybe a minute and a half history of russia and then it lasts half an hour and it's just rambling nonsense some of it and to be fair tucker carlson does push back on a couple of bits i think at one point vladimir putin says you know all this land was given to ukraine it was taken from hungary it was taken from romania it was taken from russia and it was taken from Poland. So Russia is just taking back what is theirs. And then Tucker Carlson says, so you've spoken to Viktor Orban, you've told him that it's okay for Hungary to take back their land from Ukraine as well then. And he's kind of like, uh, uh, well, no, that, that's not quite what I'm saying. So you can imagine that's the level of kind of nonsense that's going on. It strikes me that classic example of no one has told Vladimir Putin no for anything in such a long period of time that he's, he's just allowed to just pontificate. I lasted 45 minutes. Uh, equally disappointing was, um, I got this from my VPN on HBO, the first episode of the series 12 of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I'm a big fan of Seinfeld, big fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And this episode just was not great. There's some nice stuff following on from the previous series. Sophie, I can't remember. In the penultimate series, Larry is getting a series put on Young Larry. So he's being one of the streaming services is kind of bought a show that deals with Larry David when he was just starting his career as a stand up in New York, whenever it was in the 80s and 90s. And this terrible actress he's forced to put in this show. And we come into series 12 and she's this massive star. Everyone loves her, even though she's obnoxious and not very good. So that is kind of funny. But all the stuff that pushes the episode forward, or the other stuff, should I say, is not as good. I'm hoping that the series picks up because otherwise I don't know why he's bothered coming back if this is what it's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I've still never, ever watched, I don't think, a single Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. It's one of those that has just passed me by. And I know a lot of people absolutely rave about it and, and love it loads. I think it's one of those you're either fully in or you just, you know, it just doesn't speak to you, right? But this is out on Sky Comedy and Now TV. The final season, I think, came out on the 5th of Feb. So if, if people are wondering where to find that show, that's where it is. And it's meant to be the final season, is that right? Yes, I think this is the fourth time it's the final season of Curb. HBO just keep coming back with more and more money for him it's it's a weekly release so yeah you're right 5th of 5th of feb is the release of episode one 11th being the i think it's the 11th is episode two it's yeah 
some of Curb Your Enthusiasm is absolutely hilarious. It's was kind of billed as the show they wanted Seinfeld to be, but it couldn't be because it was the 90s and they didn't have as much control. The networks were far more scared, far more focused, for want of a better word, on how shows should look. Because even then, Seinfeld was quite groundbreaking at the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are some really, really funny episodes. Larry David is your classic, uh, what is the word to describe him? Ah. Uh, Language has left me, but basically, yeah, he hates people and he's a real misery guts and he's kind of really, he's unable to compromise on so many things. The social niceties that most of us deal with and kind of swallow down, he just will not have them. So it is very funny. They're missing three. Is that the word you were looking for? Thank you so much. Absolutely that. And whatever the opposite of gregarious is, I would also say is is kind of definitely Larry David style. This episode, not so great. I also have been continuing to watch Gladiators on iPlayer. It's still what it is. Still good fun. They're still going way too easy on them. It's all very nice. Oh, you've put in a good effort. We very rarely see any of the quote unquote baddie gladiators. But it is what it is. Talking about fake bad people i also watched i mentioned it on the true detective pod the i am andrew tate documentary on channel four controversial some people think that it gives a platform to him and legitimizes him but all i think it does is show that he is a man with quite some serious mental health issues and uh, extreme narcissism and also a complete fake and then what else have we got? Oh, yeah, I watched a documentary on YouTube from the DW Documentaries is the channel, and that is Sex in Thailand. And it's predominantly about German sex tourists in Thailand. It's a really interesting documentary. It's about 40, 45 minutes long, I think. Um, obviously, there is a lot of sex tourism of Europeans going over to Thailand. And as I said, this is predominantly focused on Germans there. And it's, yeah, really quite... I guess eye-opening is an understatement. It deals generally with adult women in the sex industry there, but there is also a lot of stuff where they talk about the child abuse and rape of uh, children who are just being used as sex workers there. And the kind of... I guess that the the chief of police in Thailand really trying to, to make changes there, but just not really getting there sadly um it's a, an eye-opening watch and then we've got a little bit of a, an apple section an orchard if you will of apple shows that adam will no doubt be very excited to talk about because i've watched them mostly on his behest so we've got masters of the air which is of course the steven spielberg and tom hanks third piece of the the trilogy how have you found it, Adam? I am enjoying it. I think it's, I think I said before, I think it's really stunning in terms of like visually how, how they put it all together. There's like maybe one or two characters that I kind of got a, a bit invested in, but it, it, it takes a little while, I think, with these shows to kind of really get invested. I, well, I, that's the issue for me, I think, because I haven't got that strong a connection to any sort of one or two particular characters. I'm finding it hard to sort of really care especially when you kind of know that most likely they're not going to survive other than the main two but I uh, you know on a general kind of sense of 
loss and and bravery of the guys going out there and the the absolute terror and danger that they're going into you know on that sort of scale i think it is really well done and really well made as a show uh, i haven't watched the latest episode I'm, I'm i think i've got i'm in three three episodes into it yeah i'm about the same i think yeah i think third episode for me as well i, I agree i think uh visually it's arresting uh, i think it's shot very well my only worry is is that classic thing when we see these shows where it's just almost entirely from the American point of view, and that is very problematic for countless reasons that I'm sure people have said many times before, so I won't go into it. But, yeah, I mean, we've seen hardly any Brits, and when we have, they've kind of been stuck. Oh, tally-ho, chaps, we think we're better than you guys. And, of course, the Americans will prove them wrong by being the most adventurous, valorous soldiers that have ever been despite the fact that most of the american characters are played by by british actors right <laughs> yeah i know i quite enjoyed the irony as well I, I agree with what you say about finding it hard to have a connection with any of the characters funny enough that kind of pretty much mirrors i think what it was like for the airmen at the time that a lot of them very much didn't bother talking to new recruits until they'd survived one or two sorties and then maybe they'd be allowed into the the kind of gang, as it were, because it was just too difficult. I think Callum Turner is is really good. I'm really enjoying Callum Turner. Anthony Boyle as Harry Crosby, the sick navigator. I'm enjoying him. My main issue is, is that I don't like Austin Butler at all. I feel like there's nothing really going on. He's kind of doing that classic, I'm the heartthrob lead acting. And if I just act like I'm enigmatic a lot of the time, then I don't really have to do the work just because I'm quite good looking. Yeah, the sort of wistful looks in the distance with an airplane in the background, right? Absolutely. And just a really weird rhythm to the way he delivers lines, I find as well. I just find it very hard. I mean, I didn't think he was necessarily that great in Elvis either. So I'm I'm not necessarily his biggest fan as an actor. But I think there are lots of really good performances. I'm enjoying Barry Keoghan's performance as Curtis Piddick from somewhere in New York. And there's a very funny scene where he has a fight with an English officer and he beats the shit out of him and they're cheering and he's kind of doing that thing of like, I'm Irish, I'm Irish in, in, in his thick kind of, I think it's New York or New Jersey accent which did make me laugh. And then I've got two more on the Apple gang. So expats, I know you're enjoying expats. Adam sent a late night WhatsApp message saying, what was it? Expats might be quite good. <laughs> oh, was it just, it might be quite I thought it was more emphatic than that. It, it, I think, it, yeah, I think quite good is probably understanding what I said. But it was something like, might actually be brilliant. That's it. So you're enjoying it then? Yeah, it's on Prime Video though, not on Apple TV. Thank you. It's uh, fallen out of the orchard. But I am I am really enjoying it. I think it's a really promising start to this. And I think the first episode is kind of... It's really difficult to not give any spoilers for this show. But if you've seen the trailer or you know the premise of it, then you probably already know anyway. But there is an incident. And the first episode is very much the aftermath. And not the immediate aftermath either. There's some time has passed since the incident. And then in the second episode, you get the build-up to the incident and then the incident itself right at the end. And I haven't yet had a chance to watch the third episode. I was just about to start that. But Nicole Kidman is wife and mother, but one of her children is is no longer there. That's the kind of early setup. And then clues are dropped throughout and the whole story is, is kind of far from being revealed. But it clearly involves this young girl, Mercy, who's played by Ji Young Yu. I think she's really good in this show. And yeah, it's set in Hong Kong, which is just 
stunningly portrayed, I think, a lot of themes and issues around the, the sort of contrast between the privileged and the working class, I think, is quite nicely done in this subtly at times and a bit more obviously at other times. One highlight for me was meeting the dog that had been mysteriously barking for a whole day in a neighbour's apartment because that was one one hell of a dog. Yeah, I thought it was unsettling and intriguing. It's thoughtfully paced. It's not the sort of quickest show, I think. So you've got to bear with it a little bit because I think the pacing is, is a little bit on the slow side. But yeah, how are you how are you coping with Nicole Kidman? Because I know you, you occasionally have issue with her her performance style. Yeah, and I still do. I'll be honest with you. I do think it's too much. I get that obviously the character is really in a bad way given the events that have happened with with her child. And as you said, we're kind of breadcrumbed through those first couple episodes. It's a really interesting use of flashbacks. And and I think it's fairly clear when things are happening, but it's not obvious like say the serpent or whatever, where you just see this timeline on the bottom, just move backwards the six months or, or whatever. But yeah, I think generally the cast is really good. There are some real moments of having to suspend your disbelief though. I think, you know, you just feel like, come on, just, just say what it is you need to say. Why are you, why is this kind of stupid block put up where you can't say what you think or mean just so this to be an issue an episode later dealt with. There's one or two of those. There's a scene in a party where Nicole Kidman's character runs after someone in a big group shouting at them, which I found not believable. But I think you're, the, the thing that really interests me, as you said, is that the life of these super wealthy, privileged expats and then the, the natives slash locals who live there and how subservient their life is and how precarious it is, these well-paid jobs for the whims of the people that employ them, these expats. There's a, another couple, which is um, Sarai Blue. So Hilary Starr and David Starr, played by Jack Huston, who are the neighbours. And this what I really enjoyed was the dynamic between their issues and then their driver, who is kind of very much caught in the middle. We see a lot of that actually with the two of them playing out about who is loyal to who and how worried they are when they're asked a personal question or what do you think about my wife? Do you think she's being unreasonable? And they're like, fuck, what do I do here? Because they'll probably sort this out. But if I say, yeah, I think she's being unreasonable, I might lose my job when they get back together again. Yeah, it's interesting. What I've heard is that there's going to be an episode in the series that is all from the perspective of the hired help. I'm kind of really looking forward to seeing what that episode is and how that how the narrative changes when you change the perspective to be from, from their point of view. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. I think something similar but different happened with, oh, was it season two or season three of Atlanta? Um, talking about Donald Glover, where we had this episode where we followed immigrants, I suppose it's, it's similar but different, immigrants who live in New York and have similar kind of jobs, basically, and 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 just what it's like for them working for these really wealthy, privileged people. I think I probably will carry on watching it. Yeah, it just is very difficult for me with Nicole. And we've got a history, the two of us, when it comes to her performances. But I, I do think there's some really good performances in her, as I said. I think Ruby Ruiz, who's playing Essie, I'm really interested to see what's going on with that because I think she's brilliant in it. Brian T playing Clark is very good. You've already mentioned Ji Young Yu playing Mercy. Soraya Blue, I think, is also great as her kind of mate. 
Although, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess that's the point that they're making. But some of the quote-unquote wives storylines are a bit too banal and a bit too like, oh, we need to have a story about a woman. What are we going to do? Well, she's going to make her a wife and she's going to be this and she's going to be that. I hope that suddenly we see things that are a bit more interesting for the female characters, yeah. I guess, is is where I'm at rather than what we've got so far. Wife, mother, that's all we've really got. Stroppy teen. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Atlanta. It's definitely a show I need to go back to. I've only watched the first season of that and uh, I need to bump it back up my list, I think. Yeah, definitely. And then my last one in this epic list is Criminal Record on Apple, which I'm enjoying very much. Yeah, it's a good show, isn't it? Very much character-led, I think. And, you know, the kind of two titans of the uh, show are undoubtedly Kush Jumbo and uh, Peter Capaldi. And kind of the conflict between them is what drives drives through this. It is a fascinating relationship between the two of them and how they're combating each other, I guess, is, is the best way of putting it. Yeah, and I think they do cover a hell of a lot of stuff. And I think they do mostly okay um, issues, obviously. So Kush Jumbo, I think, does get a little bit looksamussy with her accent at points, but generally I think it's really, really good. And that's me being hypercritical as always. Pika Pordy is good, although it just feels a little bit too arch. I'm an obvious bad guy, um, which I'm hoping, as I said in the WhatsApp, means that what we're really going to find out is that he's not and that he's just trying to hold back the real bad guys and he has to be the acceptable face of evil for a better want of word to stop the truly evil taking over how far into it are you i think we're episode four we're quite far into the conspiracy they all know what each other are doing at this point there doesn't seem like anyone has any cards up their sleeves with regards to what they're trying to uncover or keep hidden. But I think, yeah, the bad guys, for want of a better phrase, have probably overplayed their hand with Kush Jumbo's son. An incident happens with uh, with Lingham's son, which is probably too far. Uh, I think they've messed up there and that will probably be the beginning of the end for them. Yes, I think I've. I think maybe I'm one episode ahead, but I was starting to get a little bit worried in the most recent couple of episodes that it was beginning to be a little bit fillerish. There was a little bit too much sort of padding going on in there, and there is a really weak father-daughter scene involving Peter Capaldi that was the first time in the show that I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> why, why have you done it?" But then, towards the end of the latest episode, bam. Twist, turn, reveal, cracking stuff. It's moving on again. And I would highly, highly recommend Criminal Record. I think it's, uh, yeah, as you say, so much in there, but it is, I just no idea which way it's going to go. Uh, I think Kush Jumbo is, is superb. Yeah, there's a, the, the fight scene, I think it's in the second episode that she's involved in. The performance that she gives in that she's being attacked, just incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, there's a couple, right, where she gets... She gets beaten up and she's kind of just left on the floor, almost in exactly the same position, twitching in exactly the same way. I think there's there's one thing that stuck out for me where I felt a bit like, oh, OK, they're going to do this. And then they didn't quite, which I thought was disappointing. And I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but there is there is a scene that deals with colorism within the black community. And I thought, OK, are we going to explore this? This is really interesting. I think quite important a thing to have in a show like this. And then it kind of wasn't really dealt with and it was kind of brought up. I don't know, maybe they had more and it got edited out because of running times. But I felt a little bit like we could have explored that more and it would have been a lot more interesting than, say, some of the other stuff. Like you said, it was getting a bit paddy. 
a bit kind of going back to Sonia Singh, right, okay, well, we've we've seen all this kind of stuff already. I feel like it was a missed opportunity to really kind of delve into that more. Yeah, 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 I agree, definitely. Grand, well, we'll, let's, let, we'll come back to Criminal Record when it's finished, maybe, because it's definitely a show worth, worth talking about. I've watched a few other bits, which I'll cover fairly quickly. A couple of new ones. So I watched the first episode of Domino Day. This is the BBC young witch who is discovering her, all about her powers and is using dating apps to kind of find wrong-uns, essentially, guys that are sort of prize dicks, not in a positive way, and then sort of using her powers to siphon off energy, I think, is essentially what she's doing. That's the kind of setup. Sienna Kelly is very good in this as the lead, Domino Day is the name of the character. And it is a very sexy and stylish show. Um, Definite applause due to the costume design team here, I think. There's some violence against women in this show. And I'm like, is that okay if they get their comeuppance? And I kind of was questioning it a little bit, but the, the show is pretty much entirely made by women. It's written by and directed and produced by women. So it's not really for me to say at all. And I think Domino Day is a kind of morally ambiguous character. So it, it definitely helps if we really dislike her victims. So I can understand why it's all in there. Generally, I think it keeps the fantasy elements believable in that sort of world-building way. And if I didn't have so much other stuff currently on my list, I would watch more of this. But so far, I've had to park it one episode in. But yeah, I think Domino Day, if you like that sort of show, you're into your fantasy shows, then you will enjoy that definitely. It's well made. The other new one that I, well, it's not new, it's the second season. I watched the first episode of the second season of Our Flag Means Death. And it was just a bit, meh it wasn't really funny uh, I know the show hasn't the first season wasn't particularly funny either the one bright point I guess is that Madeline Sammy who was superb as Eddie in Deadlock is in there as one of the pirates a new pirate for this season and I, every time I see her on screen I'm filled with happiness but yeah I don't know again I'm parking this just because I don't oh, I don't know if I've got the, the will to go through it all. Yeah so I watched maybe the first two episodes of season one whenever it came out and you know I'm a big fan of Reese Darby and a lot of other people in that cast and it's a great idea for those who don't know it's basically a gentleman pirate. This guy finds himself at the head of a pirate ship, but he is he has very modern ideas about the workplace, shall we say. And all these hardcore pirates talk about their feelings. And the ship is very much a psychological safe space, shall we say, for its inhabitants. So the premise is great for, for a comedy show. But yeah, it feels like when I watched it, elements of kind of horrible history and horrible history stories and stuff like that, but not quite working. It just felt very formulaic in its style, which is a shame because it's just a great idea, but it just lacked any kind of vibrancy, I guess is probably a good word. It just didn't feel like it was doing anything. It was just going through the motions. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an LGBT story, right? But it just it's not bold enough in the comedy. It hasn't gone far enough in one direction, I don't think. And the writing is just, you know, it's just poor. It's such a waste of an incredible comedic cast like the talent on screen is there for everyone to see you and Bremner you've got Taika Waititi you've got um Con what's his chops from Happy Valley um Christian Nairn there's loads of amazing people in the show but yeah the writing just doesn't doesn't do them service arse 
is what it is. So I've finished a few shows. I finished Griselda, which I know you thoroughly enjoyed. I felt, if I'm hypercritical, that it lost a little bit of the drive in the final couple of episodes. We get a bit of a time jump, don't we? But that party episode, my God, that is something indeed. Uh, Overall, though, really, really strong series and would highly recommend it as a watch. I think it was on the WhatsApp, I don't think we've said this on the pod before, but when I learned how much makeup she had to go through and that it was a prosthetic nose, I just couldn't stop staring at it. And teeth as well, right? She had fake teeth in that too. So she had that overbite. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I think it does lose its drive in the last couple episodes, which is a shame because you'd think as, you know, dominoes start to fall and the pressure starts to kick in, you would think that actually that would be a good time to speed things up. Things jump forward, problems happen, there's retribution made against her, and it's kind of not really dealt with. We kind of find ourselves more in the kind of emotional conversations, which is good, but I think we also needed to see more of the violence that was going on in parallel with that. Yeah, definitely. As I said, overall, highly recommended. I have kind of similar feelings about another Netflix show, which I've finished, which is Boy Swallows Universe. It's such a lovely, beautiful, hard luck story of this troubled family kind of finding their way through these difficult times, you know, and their sort of involvement within the criminal underworld of where they live in Australia. And there's this gently inexplicable stuff throughout which just explodes into something much bigger in the final episode. And I was like, why? Why if you had to go that big with that? Because now I'm just... It just jarred a bit for me. And they did manage to kind of then pull it around by the end in a satisfying way. So I was kind of back on board overall by the end of the show. There's a sort of element to that final episode, which I think may may be jarring to people. But again, overall, it's a recommendation from me. So would you say the way Boy Swallows the Universe ends left a bad taste in your mouth? (laughs) Yeah, certainly that part of that episode left a bad taste in my mouth. The other one that I finished that I would highly, highly, unreservedly recommend, and I did mention this last time around, is uh, Big Boys. The final episode has Order from Derry Girls in it, which is fitting as this is the best Channel 4 comedy since Derry Girls. Really powerful ending to that final episode. Beautiful show. Great two-season show now. Very much hoping that it's going to get... Uh, third season. I'm not sure if that's been greenlit yet. But interestingly enough, if it does get a third season, then uh, Jack Rook has asked Diane from this season of The Traitors to perform a cameo role. And I completely missed that Maddie from season one of The Traitors is in two scenes of this this series. But yeah, I think that's brilliant. Jack Rook's obviously a massive fan of The Traitors. But yeah, Big Boys, for me, if this is kind of a 10 out of 10 show, as far as I'm concerned. So expect this to be there or thereabouts in my end of the year lists. So, so it's safe to say Big Boys didn't leave a bad taste in your mouth? No, <laughs> the Big Boys definitely didn't leave a bad taste in my mouth. Although I love them. I love the Big Boys. I am on record as saying how much I love the big boys. That's pretty much what I've been watching. I've I've been doing some of the uh, Oscar-nominated films to try and get those watched before we do our predictions episode for that. I really enjoyed Nyad. Also enjoyed Rustin. Both made me cry. And just finished Anatomy of a Fool, which is a fantastic film. Really, really strong. There's one scene in that towards the end that really sums up the kind of whole thing. And it's beautifully done. I feel like... 
potentially best director, potentially best new screenplay, original screenplay. I think there's probably bigger competition in the best film. Well, there is. There's more competition anyway. But yeah, I thoroughly recommend Anatomy of a Fall. I think it's a really good, well-made film. Brilliant. Let's move on to what's coming out this week, Damo. Yeah. Well, season two of Kin drops on BBC on the 13th of Feb. Um, We talked about season one of Kin, obviously, when it eventually made its way onto iPlayer towards the back end of last year. It's, I mean, it was released in Ireland a couple of years ago, so it's taken a very long time for it to make its way across the Irish Sea. But a new threat rears its head when members of a Turkish cartel inform the Kinsella family that Eamon owed them a sizable debt. So still Charlie Cox, Claire Dunn, Aidan Gillen and Emmett J. Scanlon returning. I have seen this. I VPN'd and, and paid to watch it from Ireland. Yeah, I think if you enjoyed Kin, you will probably enjoy Series 2. Doesn't have uh, second season syndrome then, it's uh, still just as good. Well, um, obviously, I, I, you know me, I'm a miserable bastard. I didn't enjoy it as much. Issues that I had with Season 1 became far bigger issues in Season 2, I'm afraid. But I think most people will really enjoy Season 2 if they've watched Season 1. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a watch because I, I did enjoy the first season largely because i just love the people who are in it i think they're all great i will continue with kin something new out this week is the new look back in the orchard the apple tv plus on valentine's day 14th of feb uh, fashion designers christian dior coco chanel and their contemporaries navigate the horrors of world war ii while launching modern fashion and just listen uh, never mind the quality feel the width of this cast stars ben mendelson as christian dior and juliette binoche as coco chanel and you've also got Maisie Williams, uh, obviously from Game of Thrones, uh, Clash Bang, last seen in Bad Sisters, John Malkovich and Emily Mortimer. This looks amazing. I've seen the trailer a couple of times. Uh, I mean, I love Ben Mendelsohn anyway, but obviously you add in Juliet Binoche, John Malkovich, Clash Bang and Maisie Williams, who hasn't really done anything for a while, but is a phenomenal actor. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah potentially our, our watch list episode for next week right i think so yeah also uh on the 14th of feb this time on channel four is alice and jack if i could be with anyone in the world it would be with you adam oh no sorry that's a sorry that's a quote from the show uh, and that's angia riseborough and Domhnall Gleeson starring in this all-new series about love in all its unexpected technicolour kaleidoscopic beauty. So Ashley B and Amy Lou Wood also star in this. Yeah, I really like Amy Lou Wood and Ashley B. And I think, you know, Andrea Riceborough and Domhnall Gleeson are both fine, fine actors. But this just feels like a standard sort of romance, romantic drama, maybe. On Channel 4, it does come out on Valentine's Day. I'm not, <laughs> not normally the sort of thing that I would be excited about watching. but. I might, I might give it an episode and see. Does it feel a little bit churny? Like we, we must have content. Here's some, here's some romance content. But at least the cast is really good, so that'll hopefully be enough for most people to watch. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe I'm being unfair, but that's that's kind of how the trailer made me feel anyway. Fair enough. Um, so we've already talked about Kirby Enthusiasm. Uh, which, as we said, came on the 5th of Feb. The first episode dropped on Sky Comedy Now in the UK, HBO, HBO Max, HBO Plus, whatever in the rest of the world. The second season of Halo has landed on Paramount Plus. Maybe it's better than the first one. I know the first one was panned. And then Amy Schumer's comedy Life and Beth hits Disney Plus um, on the 16th of Feb. That's the second season. 
I have heard good things about Life and Beth. I haven't watched the, the first season, any of it, but um, I, I have heard good things about that. I've got some issues with Paramount+, Plus, which <laughs> we'll get to in the news, but also didn't see the first season of Halo, so I can't really comment on that. Let's move into some news, demo because some very exciting stuff has happened before we get to Paramount+. Plus. Let's talk about Apple TV, because the orchard, it be full. It be full of star-shaped apples. They would be, actually, they probably would be easier to pack than apples in their natural form. Yeah, yeah, they would tessellate, wouldn't they? (laughs) I mean, we've already talked about Constellation and the completely made-up adventures of Dick Turpin, which is coming to our screens very, very soon. Uh, They did drop a trailer of that. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the trailer. I mean, it's Noel Fielding being Noel Fielding, really. But again, a great comedic cast in this and lots of dick jokes. As one would expect. Some of these other shows, I mean, you've got Tobias Menzies uh, hunting down John Wilkes Booth in Manhunt. We've got Kristen Wiig uh, as the underdog in Palm Royale, which also stars Laura Dern and Alison Janney. So there is a criminal omission in the cast list that you've given there. It also stars Ricky Martin. (laughs) You're a big Ricky Martin fan. Oh, my God. Who who can not be when he told us that we could all be living La Vida Loca? How would you ever turn your back on him? But joking aside, I, he was really good in American True Crime Story, was it? The assassination of Gianni Versace. He was brilliant in that. Okay, cool. We've also got Colin Farrell as a PI in Sugar. And we've got Michael Douglas taking on Benjamin Franklin in Franklin. Joel Edgerton's going to be in the sci-fi series Dark Matter. So you say Michael Douglas taking on Benjamin Franklin in Franklin. Is this some kind of like celebrity boxing match or what? No, he's he's playing Benjamin Franklin. I think it's the story of Benjamin Franklin's voyages. Then he come across to France and sort out a load of peace treaties and things like that. Yeah, he was involved in the creation of the New Republic, I think, or whatever it's called, yeah. Yeah, it looks interesting. I think Michael Douglas, some people like, some people don't. I am quite excited about the Joel Edgerton sci-fi series. I think that looks really good. We've got Jake Gyllenhaal in crime drama, Presumed Innocent, and Eva Longoria hiding in a Spanish wine town in Land of Women, which doesn't sound amazing when you read it like that. But I actually think the concept is quite cool. I think it's her and her, her mother and daughter having to flee for some reason, and they end up in this uh, little wine town in Spain, trying to start a new life and, and escape their secrets. Can I guess that maybe she's very American and not in touch with her roots? And then through living in this small town, she learns more about her people and where she's come from. And maybe even learn Spanish. Could well be. The, the one I missed out there was season two of The Big Door Prize. All of those are new shows, but yeah, The Big Door Prize is getting a second season. This is a Chris O'Dowd show. I talked about it before on the pod. I really, really enjoyed this. Uh, again, it's a great ensemble cast. Uh, it's a bit sci-fi and, and weird, but it's got some really good comedic moments in it as well. So I'm, I'm delighted that it's got uh, renewed for a second season. Speaking of renewals for second seasons, should we talk about the BBC's... Uh, Comedy lineup. What a lineup indeed. So we've got a return of Alan Partridge. He has come back from a sojourn in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, back to being in the UK, which I think is a lovely little touch that he's been out in Saudi for a while. We've got Kunk coming back. Man Like Mo Bean is getting a new series. We thought that had kind of been the end of that. So that's really exciting. I think probably one of the most slept on uh, British comedies on iPlayer right now is Man Like Mo Bean. Very good. The excellent Dreaming Whilst Black. 
which we talked about previously on the show, which was brilliant, um, and the cleanup, which I don't think I saw. No, I haven't seen the cleanup. I'm most excited from this list about the second season of Dreaming Whilst Black because I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was a really brilliant, original, unique show. Man Like Mobeen and Kunk have been on my to watch list for quite a while and I haven't gotten around to either of them. So again, maybe I need to bump those up a little bit. And I'm, I've never been a big Alan Partridge fan. Oh, oh my God. I think Alan Partridge takes on a new lease of life in this post-Brexit world. I really do. We talk about Tucker Carlson interviewing Putin. There are loads of memes <laughs> at the moment of who should have really interviewed Putin and it should have been Philomena Kunk. And it's there's some really funny memes out there. So if you know about Kunk, you, you've probably already seen them if you're on Twitter, because no one really wants to call it X, do they? But also there is a new sitcom in the mix, which is Only Child, which is about a young author returning to Scotland to look after his erratic father. Looks interesting. I, I will reserve judgment until it comes out. Great to see a good strong lineup and there's new shows coming in as well as the the returning ones i think you know i can't argue that any of those returning shows don't deserve to come back at all but sticking with the beat for a little while uh, we had a trailer drop for the michael sheen produced ambitious welsh drummer the way which stars uh stephen rodry marley harry's sophie melville callum scott howells and michael sheen himself and i think this looks pretty exciting what a cast. I think it's really good in the last couple of years. We've seen a significant increase in the number of Welsh dramas. So, I mean, obviously, there's always lots of stuff set in Scotland and lots of Scottish people. But I do think Northern Ireland and Wales are seriously underrepresented when it comes to UK dramas. So, obviously, Blue Lights is probably one of the big Northern Irish dramas coming out. We know that the second series will be out at some point this year. But, yeah, I think The Way looks great. And... um more more Welsh dramas, please. Yeah, it's set in Port Talbot and it's uh, described as an ambitious, powerful and surprising new drama that taps into the social and political chaos of today's world by imagining a civil uprising which begins in a small industrial town. We'll definitely be watching this. I, I would love us to be able to do feature uh, specials on, on the way. I think it will be a really big show. But and I need to get on to my Paramount Plus beef demo. So uh, they are removing shows from their streaming service. And I kind of get that. You know, you've got to manage the budget a little bit. And there is cost. There are costs involved with having this content on your services. But, I mean, they've taken off Quantum Leap and The Serial Killer's Wife. Fine. I never got around to watching The Serial Killer's Wife. I didn't really want to watch Quantum Leap. They've taken off Accused, which only came out last month. And I watched it all of it and recommended it on the pod and nobody's had a chance to watch it what's the point of me recommending these things if they're not going to be available for people to watch but it also brings up the big debate in this on-demand world we now live in about well you know once they take it off we can't find it anymore right so I think that there's also that. So we know that lots of streaming services are struggling to balance their books. And so if they say, oh, Quantum Leap was a, a failure, therefore it's a loss, Paramount can then put that on their books against maybe some ridiculous amount of pay they've given their executives or some actors in a show. But yeah, it's a real shame. Obviously, I also was not really interested in Quantum Leap or The Serial Killer's Wife. But what's the point in putting a show up if you're going to take it off within a couple of months? That's not enough time. If you think about some of those big cultural moments, something like Shawshank Redemption, right, infamously did terribly at the cinema, it was huge once it was released on DVD. Imagine if they'd gone, 
Oh, God, yeah, no, that didn't do so well. We, we won't even put it out on DVD, actually. We'll leave it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same, same thing, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've just been fighting and struggling my way to find shows on Paramount Plus to, to recommend to people, to say, like, you know, get the service for a couple of months and here's a little list of shows that you could watch. And now I can't, I just can't do that. I can't in any, in any way, shape or form recommend that anyone get Paramount Plus as a streaming service because I, the shows that are on there, there's so few of them that I think are, are of that quality. Unless there's a particular film you want to watch or maybe when, you know, the next season of Yellow Jackets comes out, that will probably be the next time that I sign up to the service. And, and I'll use that time to catch up on things like Sexy Beast and A Bloody Lucky Day, which shows that I'm... Now, not going to be able to finish because I have cancelled my subscription. A couple of shows, uh, the Anne Rice Immortal Universe, so Interview with the Vampire and Mayfair Witches are both getting second season. And a third show is being developed, which will be about the Talamasca, which are a secret society of psychic detectives. God, that's, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, not up your street at all, is it? Well, it just so, so what? There's psychic detectives. So, oh god, we've got an issue with this narrative moment. How are we going to deal with it? Oh, don't don't worry. They're psychic, so that's the MacGuffin we'll use to move on to the next part of the story. It's got to be like they must have a pretty good success rate. If they're psychic. Surely they just like solve every case. Yeah, don't even have to. Don't even have to ask them. Did you do it? They can read their minds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some other little casting news: David Duchovny, Jack Whitehall, and Game of Thrones. Caris Van Houten will start in Jack Wood's Malice which is a psychological thriller coming to Prime Video. Uh, no release date for that one yet, but, you know, quite exciting to see David Duchovny back in something and Karis Van Houten as well. And Prime have also greenlit a Harlan Coburn, Danny Brocklehurst original show, so not based on his one of his novels, but a new show called Lazarus, which will star Bill Nighy, Sam Claflin and Alexandra Roach. And that show is going to involve disturbing experiences and cold case murders. I guess part of this has been because of the success of Fool Me Once, the Harlan Coben-based series, uh, which has been absolutely huge on Netflix. It wasn't to my taste, but I know people have been absolutely enjoying it. It was in the top 10 on Netflix for absolutely ages. I watched one episode. It, it wasn't for me. But I guess it just goes to show that if you pay attention to what's going on on your streaming service, i.e. if you're the owner of it, then it's possible to to keep things ticking along nicely. But Adam, are you interested in a steamy historical psychodrama? Am I? Yeah, are you? Yeah, quite. <laughs> Good, because Sky have released a trailer for Mary and George ahead of its 5th of March release date. And the show stars Julianne Moore and Nicholas Galazzini with an ensemble cast that includes, may I add, some of my absolute favourites. Nicola Walker, Neem Algar and Simon Russell Bill. Imagine you have those as your ensemble and not as your leads. Yeah, crazy, right? Madness. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, the trailer does look does look good. Uh, I will probably give this a watch. And yeah, exciting, exciting cast. I am more excited about the show that, that is aired a day later on the 6th of March because Disney Plus will be releasing the second season of superhero comedy extraordinary this was one of my big picks and recommendations from last year if you haven't caught it yet everyone in the world has superpowers apart from the lead character whose name escapes me she's extraordinary because she's ordinary essentially but yeah first look photos are out and the newcomers to the cast for this season include julian barrett and derek motherfucking jacoby 
I didn't realise that was his middle name. It must have been very troublesome at school. But the the um the question I have about that is this in any way part of the MCU? No, it's definitely not. There's a good. There's a character that's that's uh, either a cat that turns into a human or a human that turns into a cat, and his name is Jizzlord. It's just it's very very funny. He's brilliant in it. She, the lead is, is fantastic, really, really good. There's a little core, core cast of four of them that I think all do really well. And it's just ridiculous superpowers. You know, again, the comedy kind of comes from the fact that all of they, they just dream up the most ridiculous superpower that you could have. One character who makes people orgasm on skin to skin touch. But yeah, and that's not even the most ridiculous of them all. I, I loved it and I will definitely be watching the second season. Well, I mean, it sounds like something that possibly I might be tempted into watching, even though it is superheroes. But talking about ordinary, everyday superheroes, Hijack has been renewed for a second series, which is absolutely mad. The Apple show with Idris Elba as the, um, the what was he? He was a negotiation expert who found himself on a plane with terrorists that was... I mean, we said that it wasn't a willing suspension of disbelief. It What was the phrase that we used? <laughs> I think you had to be fervent in your desire to suspend your disbelief. Yeah, it went beyond willing. <laughs> uh, Adam, I know you are upset with the, with the bit of news that was attached to that. Yeah, so in a world where Hijack gets renewed for a second season, we also have to deal with the fact that Obliterated has been cancelled after one season. I mean, not only was this quite a successful show for Netflix and did quite well, was in its top 10 for a number of weeks, I think. It was bold and different and and it's, yeah, a massive, massive shame that we're not getting a second season of it. Do you think that the writing and the performances for Obliterated were too um, nuanced? Do you think because it was such a character-driven piece of drama that it that people just didn't have space for it? They wanted something a bit more immediate and reactionary rather than this kind of discourse on on what it is to be a human, this kind of philosophical debate of day-to-day life that obliterated was. I think you, you might have hit on something there, Demo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad that I had the chance to experience it, even if for just one season. It was better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all, is what we're saying. Yeah, definitely. Let's quickly round up the rest of this because we are going long. But Prime Video are going all out on niche adult animated series. So they've got another one coming out called The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. It does have an amazing voice cast, including Stephanie Sue, Kiki Palmer, Kieran Culkin. In fact, all of the other Culkins guest star in one episode. And then Natasha Leon and Maya Rudolph as well. That's out on the 23rd of February. Severance Season 2 is back in production, which is very exciting. And we had a teaser dropped for Squid Games Season 2. Prime Videos handed a series order to Criminal, an adaptation of multi-award winning Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' graphic novel. Criminal is an interlocking universe of crime stories based on the multi-Eisner award winning graphic novel series. That is quite exciting. And yeah, Stranger Things 5 presented production, but may, may not arrive on our screens until 2025. I think Severance is definitely coming this year, though. That's good. We've also had, just before we were coming on to record, a new show called Queenie, which is on Hulu in the States and Channel 4 in the UK, written by Candice Clark Williams, who was the creator of Champion, which I believe is now on Netflix across the world, not just on iPlayer. That has now been released for uh, June 7th release. I think that is going to be 
a big show. I think we're going to be talking about that one. Yeah, that sounds really good. Um, just some sad news to finish on then, Demo. We lost this week the incredible Carl Weathers, who was, of course, Apollo Creed in the Rocky films, but also Grief Karga in The Mandalorian. He's, I think he's in the Predator movie as well and, and Arrested Development. Fantastic actor and screen presence. Will be forever immortalised on one of our Mandalorian podcast episode titles, Grief's Grief, Big Loss. Yeah, I mean, an absolute legend. Very sad news there. So if you want to let us know what you've been watching, you can contact us on the social media at TVDNAPod, or you can email TVDNAPod at gmail.com. If you haven't yet started watching True Detective Night Country, you definitely need to get on that because it's pretty amazing. I've got about 20 minutes left of the latest episode to watch and you should definitely get involved in our Spotify polls. Uh, I've, I thoroughly enjoyed the poll you put up, Demo, on our last True Detective episode. What was that? I can't remember. <laughs> it was it, What's a Dredger? Uh, yeah. <laughs> a ship, a building, or who cares? Um, <laughs> yes, I'll definitely be pulling up uh, Mr. Neil Shepek on, on how certain he was that he was right at the end of that last episode. But yeah, we'll be recording our True Detective episode soon, so you've got those to listen to. And yeah, and our and our next Hooniversity Challenge We'll also be coming out later, probably next week, where we'll be talking about the incredible David Tennant's spin as the 10th Doctor. I I probably still won't watch it, but obviously lots of people love David Tennant, so I'm sure it's great. Yeah, I'm enjoying the ones that I've seen so far. Grant, well, thanks for this demo. Absolutely, it was a pleasure. We've we've run very long, but I think it was worth it. Lots to talk about. Yeah, no, and the time flew by, and I'll see you soon. All right, bye!